Hello, and welcome to episode 161 of the Book Wars Pod. I am Kate, and I'm here with Rana, Chris, and Keeks to talk about the first 12 chapters of Visions, uh, the Ronin novel by Emma Miyako Kandon. Um, we've been planning on talking about this one for like a while, so we're pretty excited about it. Um, do, do, do. I was supposed to say something else at the top. <laughs> Oh, I just wanted y'all to know, we have not forgotten about the fact that we said we would put together a Reba episode, um, but time is a f- flat circle and a Jeremy Bear Me at the same time, and so, you know, scheduling things is difficult, so we are continuing to see if the stars align for that, um, but we didn't just say it for funsies, we, 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 we've been trying, <laughs> um, so if you've been waiting for that, uh, you can keep waiting, I guess, because <laughs> we still haven't figured it out. <laughs> um, waiting on that, damn, that sucks for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, listen, we're do- we're all we're all we're all doing our best. Um, what are we drinking? I have fucking water because my digestive system has been in revolt all day, so I get to be really cool and boring. <laughs> Big same. Water, water, water. Hydration is important. Rana, what have you got? Um, while I do have water, I also have alcohol because, you know, my life is short. Um, why not make it shorter? <laughs> um, I am drinking. I actually really like this beer. Um, I feel like it's everyone knows it, and I'm like the last person to find it a couple weeks ago and try it, but it's so good. It's the um, New Belgium Reserve Honey Orange Triple. It is so fucking good. Um, Belgian style ale brewed with wild African honey and fresh ground Seville orange peel. It is 10% alcohol by volume. It says a deliciously sweet and citrusy traditional Belgian style ale fermented with wild honey. Oh, this is the same shit I just read. Um, it is <laughs> bottled in Fort Collins. Oh, and cool. yeah, I tried this a couple weeks ago because I just happened to pick it up because it sounded good at the time. Oh no, I got it for when I had that get together. Um, mm. and I got a bunch of them for people and, no one drank them and then i had one and i was like holy shit this is delicious um so that's what i'm drinking and now they're what all you drink, for you <laughs> all for, i mean it, it's just one bottle of beer it's not like a 40 but i appreciate it it's yours <laughs> um i am drinking the hard stuff today because it's been that kind of day um i am drinking a single malt whiskey from spirit hound distillers in lyons colorado beautiful scenic lines colorado um it is uh delicious it is made entirely of barley that is grown and malted in alamosa colorado as i'm reading off their website with a small amount of peated malt in there as well and they do basically like all single barrel bottling um as opposed to blending which basically makes it so that no batch is the same which is amazing and also sad because if you have a really good one you can't necessarily replicate it but it's very good it i believe it won not this specific barrel but won the like best whiskey in the something something and i'm pretty sure it's like in the world 
I'm pretty yeah, I'm pretty sure it was it was kind of what? Yeah. Uh, I'm doing the like best at this. <laughs> yeah, they have like a big banner on their like it's like a shack up there. It's like very strange. John, I wonder what the people of like Ireland, Northern Ireland, and Scotland think of that. I would have been all the way mad if I had been them. They won Whiskey of the Year 2022 at the London Spirits Competition. Wow. Alright. But yeah, they're quite good. And making the fucking Brits eat shit (laughs) in Britain (laughs) is always fun. I can't argue with that. That's that's just perfect. Um, I I think I will note that some of the best whiskey in the world comes from people who are very vehemently not British. Mm -hmm. Real close. Yes, that as well. Listen, it's just like all parts of the internet. It's like a roundtable meme of all parts of the internet hating on Britain, (laughs) which is my favorite thing. I have to say, the day that the Queen died, the memes. Oh, the best. I know. It's one of the worst days of my life, personal life-wise. But then that happened and I was like, fuck, life is good. Just like, will, will any of us ever forget the entire the video of an entire fucking rugby stadium in Ireland chanting Lizzie's in a box? I know I won't. Just like the joys yes. of every diaspora who had to deal with mm. the British. Like, I Which was is- texting my Nigerian friends, my yep. Ghanaian friends. We're all just sending the memes continent to continent. It was great. It's beautiful. I just, I love this. But were this they is- singing Yubnub or the celebration song? Shut is the real up! <laughs> Anyway, this is this is the world piece we want, <laughs> actually. Um, all right. So uh, our charity this go around is Black and Pink National, which is a uh, prison abolitionist organization dedicated to abolishing the criminal punishment system and liberating queer folks and people living with HIV AIDS who are affected by that system um, using advocacy, support, and organizing. So, um, yeah, their website is blackandpink.org. It's all spelled out, so go give them your money, because they're doing good shit. Also, fuck prisons. So, uh, we'll start with everyone's favorite question, when and where are we? Which is a little wiggly with this one, frankly, because it's it's a weird one. I mean, honestly, the great part about it is we have, like, the answer to both of those questions is, eh. <laughs> It's true. This is Keek's kind of book. I mean, in many ways, yes. Um, So what we're getting here is an alternate history of the galaxy far, far away in which uh, there's, um, there were some, it sounds like there was, almost sounds like there was always an empire um, supported by the Jedi um, who are likened to samurai serving their lords and the Sith are the, samurai who rebel because the system is corrupt but they're also not so great and so there's a whole war and then all of a sudden the Sith lost for because due to mysterious circumstances and then it's been 20 years and now the Ronin is here and he is fucking tired which I relate to with his fucking they were talking about his middle jaw and I was like I also struggle with grinding my teeth bro like this is you're just having a rough time <laughs> um but yeah um Chris, do you want to talk about a little bit about the background on how this book ha- happened? Yeah, happy to. So, um, it's it was born out. I'm letting Chris talk about Asian shit. Let it be known that I'm I don't always beat my white husband. <laughs> Just on days that end in Y. Uh huh. Um. Anyway, so yeah, it's born out of the Vision short, The Duel, 
um, which, oh, if I prepared for this, I would be able to tell what studio it is. I want to say it's, uh, I don't want to guess. <laughs> We're doing research live and on the fly. On the this I, is would, I would look this up, but I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I don't even know how to Google what you just said. Oh, oh this is the classic Keeks moment. <laughs> oh, this that's so good. Um, oh, I w- okay. I w- let it be known I was right. So it was produced by the uh, very well-known anime studio Kamikaze Doga um, and basically featured this character, the Ronin, and his droid uh, fighting a group of bandits and a rogue Sith. And then, you know, definitely encourage you, if you haven't watched really all of Visions, to go do it. But basically the folks at Delray kind of took the opportunity that was presented by Visions and the success of Visions and, you know, the relative freedom that they had in relationship to you know what working on an ip is usually like and decided to just really take it and try to run with it so they they worked with uh emma uh, miyako kandon who is uh has a lot of experience and is a huge fan of um anime and just general the generally the medium and and was able to and uh you know is a person who uh has their own japanese heritage and you know their own unique voice that I think really adds to this and was able to create this book that is I think pretty safe to say unlike any other Star Wars book certainly in canon I have not read famously all of the expanded universe but it's (laughs) it's pretty unique I think oh my god he made it Jesus fuck um I think the other thing to know here um that I think is especially important is uh the creators of the short um, and I think why it's it's the first one I think that in in the in the vision series, um, and it it really sets the tone because they just like George Lucas just went really back to Kurosawa, and you can tell the influence there with the um, the black and white. They even include like those almost like you're watching like an old film, all those little like scratches on the film that will pop up when you're projecting it. Um, just this like very like iconic um color or lack thereof palette um but they were like yeah star- like star wars is like so rooted in japanese culture and they were taking it back to its roots and i am so fucking in love with that like that's so so incredible like listen dave filoni can make seven samurai as many times as he fucking wants and he's still never and he gonna will. and he will and it's still never gonna be as good as this so there you go i think my favorite part about visions the project did we ever even do a bonus episode on visions i don't think we did whatever um i think my my favorite part about it the project of visions that like really this builds on is one thing that i has it's improved in recent years but like star wars is very much the the kind of old school stereotype of it is you know you've got your white male nerd fan and it's just generally a very western thing and that it it excludes you know let alone non-white people and women and marginalized genders in the west who love star wars but also just the rest of the world who like was no less impacted by this story than we living in north america were and i think that particularly seeing you know this this take on it from japanese writers and directors and animators that it is a story that like you know we've all known and they've all known was heavily borrowed from kind of the samurai kurosawa mythology 
and being able to just put their own twist on it in really modern and exciting ways i think is so cool um it's and it really just adds a whole series of dimensions that don't really exist in you know the 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 stereotypical view of star wars and the fact that that was the intention of the project i think of like even like conceiving of visions i think is really really cool there truth rana go ahead yeah um i was gonna save this for later but i actually think it it fits better now someone say now i think this is such an example of Something folks have said, I mean, I remember years ago when there was the Star Wars representation matters, um, like, my brain is suddenly shutting down. But when that was a regular project, um, you know, a lot of folks talked about the myriad of ways that that people of color and cultures of color have really influenced Star Wars without getting any credit and without getting to be involved in the creation of new Star Wars things um, or even in the creation of original Star Wars things. And I feel like this is such an example of what, at least for me as someone who is not Japanese, of like this concept is what I want to see in Star Wars going forward. Like we all know that George Lucas was so heavily influenced by Kurosawa and by like we know that he offered um, Toshiro Mifune like the the role of Obi Wan, and like I feel like half of why he took all of these very visually Japanese like styles of clothing and all these other things was because he had this picture in his head, but he owed, he really took no um, initiative to have anyone at all involved in like, and of Japanese descent or from Japan itself in any of the creation of star Wars content. Um, And so when I think about the future of star Wars, I feel like this is really an example of, not only saying, okay, we'll let creators of various backgrounds involved um, or, you know, from whom we drew inspiration for Star Wars be involved in some component, but really saying like, well, what if people actually told these stories and put them within their own cultures and really added, and you can feel the difference in that. Chris said already, Mm. this is a story that feels different, but I do feel like it is so much deeper than just the clothing that people wear. It's like the way that so many different things are described, certain word choices. You can absolutely tell when an author is from a culture versus when they're not. I'm sure we're all familiar with the uh, the controversy a couple years ago about what was it like American Dirt or whatever that book was. Oh, fuck like me. God, such yeah, such bullshit. Oh. Um, but like this is an example I think of when I think about all the bullshit that's happening in the Star Wars fandom this is an example of what I want to see. And this is the sort of thing that keeps me actually wanting to be involved in reading more things and seeing what's being produced. I think visions was honestly, and well, I think that about Andor too, but I think visions was really some of the best new star Wars content that we had gotten in a really long time. Um, but yeah, I think this is an example of, even though I was going to save this for later, but I, yeah, I really feel like mm-hmm. that Japanese influence on star Wars itself, the idea of giving folks, uh, a seat not only at the table but actually just saying like we trust you with the vision of all of this no pun oh, intended yes. there um is where star wars has to go gosh i just like retweet all of it um i you know i i and one of the reasons why this matters is because like you know george lucas decided that he didn't need to include any actual you know japanese folks in the in the creation of the originals trilogy and that's how we wound up with firefly you know where there is not a single Chinese person to be had and which is just fucking wild shit. I've seen so many like really amazing like listen Firefly is its own barrel of whatever because of Joss Whedon um, but you know I've seen so many amazing fan casts of just like people casting like actually like Chinese actors in all these roles and I was just like 
I want to put my eyeballs on that. Like, you know, like where, where the fuck was that when I was growing up and all the kids on the playground told me I looked weird. Like, anyway. Um, and then the other thing I'm, I keep thinking about too, as like, as we're talking about this and as we're, as we're going through this book is, um, you know, it's always been a thing that we're kitschy and fun. We put the original theatrical posters that, uh, for the original trilogy, like the Japanese and the Chinese ones on t-shirts and shit. And we saw, we, we saw that while, you know, the folks in China who are laboring in sweatshops are the ones who are making them and they get to see no fucking money. So like, where's our air horn? <laughs> just kidding, Keeks. You're good. <laughs> so you know, it's just like, yeah. Let me let like, please, God, let I just let 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 people who 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 look like me and also not, other not white people like have fun in the playground too. It's just makes everything just so much better. And I mean, I mean, you were, I mean, you were, Rana, you were just mentioning Andor. Like the fact that like Diego Luna is like so heavily involved in it um and basically like he's he's calling it an immigrant story and i think that's super true and that like that never would have happened if i'm gonna keep picking on dave filoni because i can because it's easy but like never in his wildest dreams could he have come up with something anywhere near that and that would have been such a loss well and how often have so many people including i think all of us on this pod at some point or another said oh i'm kind of sick of like being super saturated with new star wars content but a lot of that isn't because we don't want new content it's because it's very much the same feel the same tone and that's because the people who have been given the biggest platforms especially in terms of like the films have mostly no all been like white men every single time um and Mm -hmm. i just think like the most exciting stuff that's coming out of the star wars universe right now is very clearly not the same things that we're all complaining about when we say, oh, it's a little bit stale. Oh, I'm a little bit sick of this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Visions, this book, um, and or all sorts of other stories that have come out recently, like the Pacific Islander influence in Book of Boba, like all of those things are, in my opinion, the most exciting things that we have right now in the mm-hmm. Star Wars universe. So I just think, you know, it's fine if we're all a little sick of the same old, same old, but this is an example of where it's not the same old, same old. You're, you're not excited for Ahsoka? No. <laughs> Let me um. not. <laughs> um, and then just like, uh, and it's just like maybe maybe one final point to to, to make in, on this topic, but like we we've been saying and noticing for a long time that like the you know Del Rey and um you know Disney Hyperion who um, produced the YA and um, adult Star Wars novels, they have long been doing just tons of interesting storytelling, um, which you know may. may, may Funnily enough, may or may not be related to the fact that they try to re- recruit a diverse array of authors to write for Star Wars. Um, so yeah, I mean, I th- feel like part part of the reason why we started doing this is because, like, well, number one, there wasn't a whole lot of Star Wars coming out when we started, it, and also like, this was where all the exciting stuff was happening, um, and it con- it continues. So huzzah! Um, do do do. I so I don't know that we had a shit whack to talk about here just because we're getting started and this is very uh, as 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 it is a star war it will it's definitely shaping up to be pretty plot heavy and we haven't quite gotten um to getting some answers about things um but somebody wrote down what is happening <laughs> might have been burb who's not here today 
Um, oh, that might have been me. Oh, well, excuse me. In a shocking twist. Yikes. Yeah, so, but, you know, like, as Kate said, it's very, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like plot heavy and it's also not. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, it's plot heavy and simultaneously very little has happened outside of the the duel short. The world um, building is really. The wor- yeah, the world is really building is what's yeah. going to happen. So, as I think Kate mentioned, we're in this alternate timeline where the Empire is the Jedi and the Sith rebelled and lost and under somewhat suspicious circumstances it seems like and now we're 20 years later and the ronin uh is kind of on the hunt for surviving sith even though he himself is a sith and so we're we're kind of learning who are the jedi and who are the sith like the jedi seem to be this revered institution that is somewhat corrupted or bloated it seems like um which very much fits prequel era Jedi and also very much fits uh, kind of the, the tail end of the samurai era in feudal Japan. Um, as I, as I see Rana typing right now in the outline, um, Rana, if you would like to talk about this, go for it. Um, the only thing I was just going to add there is that when we, in this story, when we hear about the Sith and the Jedi, even in these first like hundred pages or so, there's a really interesting component that I haven't seen in other Star Wars media um, other than the fact that we call it the Skywalker saga, in that there's very explicit um, framing around Jedi being this like feudal system, very tied to wealth and family influence. Um, and it's you know explicitly stated that a lot of the Jedi who are trained are, you know, it's not like what we've read in a lot of other Star Wars canon where, you know, youth are found for their force sensitivity. And instead it's that folks come from these well-established Jedi families um, and then their youth are sort of brought up into that world and continue that cycle. That's a really important point. I think that gets lost about kind of the Jedi in this story and also just the understanding that the world and particularly the West has about kind of the samurai mythos and just the everything that surrounds them. Um, so yes, like an important distinction, they're not the morality police here, which is something, which is the role that they have kind of fallen into and, and really always struggled with in canon. So, and like, that's another thing about like, you know, the obviously Star Wars is so heavily influenced by Kurosawa and the, the kind of the samurai epic genre of storytelling which is in and of itself mythology in many ways it's like we have this particularly the kind of west orientalist gaze looking at oh simpler honorable times in japan look at the samurai as kind of like these you know ancient or medieval jedi so to speak and that's not what they were they were like they 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 were feudal warriors they had a lord that paid them and they killed for that lord mm-hmm. and over time through all of japan into various periods of war and that's you know i think somewhat intentionally because that was kurosawa's project early on in his career are not thought of like that they are thought of as this this very you know kind of national heritage to be very proud of not that one shouldn't be proud of them but it's important to understand all aspects mm-hmm. and so i think that that's an important thing to think about with the jedi too because like in this but also just in reality i think or not in reality but rather in canon i think we struggle with how do we look at the jedi and how do we do that in a nuanced way you know there's always 
anytime somebody wants to you know get a lot of like fucking twitter engagement they'll be like actually everything is yoda's fault or everything everything is yoda's fault (laughs) but everything is the jedi's fault or blah 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 you know pick pick whoever um and that is true and also one thing i love about the high republic that we talked about when we read light of the jedi is that they weren't always like that and they fell into these traps and we're we're getting to see them in real time in the high republic books fall into these traps and so I just I love the aspect of that in this book that it's you know it's it's not even pretending to be the morality police they are they're straight up feudal warriors. Yeah, um, I think just to kind of like boil that down, I'll talk I'll talk a little bit more about this later. But I just like I just on its face just love the idea of turning this like um like framework of good and evil that we've had for forty odd years and just like. Just by making that switch between, um, you know, who's the who's the quote unquote good guys and who's the quote unquote bad guys, it's just like between the Sith and the Jedi, just automatically asks us to makes us ask questions like who who are these people who who side am I on, and also like where and really what the answer is is just like where where are the places where 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 the gray exists because you know the Sith really are like fighting for self determination and um and things like that and um which I feel like is a fairly western idea but as a western audience i think we're primed to um you know want to agree with that sort of um worldview and so yeah um it's just like holding this almost like holding a mirror up to like our, our like to canon and asking like you know asking us to like delve deeper into like what 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 systems of morality are we are we willing to go along with and up to what point and um all that one thing I love about that in action in this book so far, I mean, maybe it will change as we meet more characters, but is that there's not the same like deification towards Jedi in this that we see mm-hmm. in a lot of other media. Like how many other times have we seen in a book, someone learns that someone is even just force sensitive and the whole world stops and everyone's like, Oh my God. Or like someone learns someone's a Jedi and they're like, what? Yeah. Um, whereas in this, like, it's almost like, it's not insulting, but they're like, oh, whatever, it's the Jedi, whatever. They are yeah. definitely, there's a lot of negative connotation around Sith and a lot of, like, fear and concern around them. But with Jedi, they're like, eh, it's whatever. It is what it is. Even when, when they meet the main character and they talk about him as a Sith, while some people are terrified, others are like, yeah, whatever, that Sith over there, like, I don't, give, I don't care. Um, and it's really refreshing to read about them in this way where people, like, because you do kind of have to wonder in other star wars canon why the hell if people know that this stance exists like why are they such mega celebrities to everyone um i certainly don't feel that way about police but you know Mm -hmm. i guess someone somewhere does um sorry i wish we had a sound drop for nwa right now but um (laughs) anyways uh i just i love that perspective and these and to hear people be like just casually referencing it like as if it's the same thing as describing someone's hair color or the color of someone's shirt. And I just, yeah, I'm all for that. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, like, honestly, what it reminds me of, and like, that's it. Maybe I'll ask Keeks to cut this later. I don't know. I don't want to bring up like bad stereotypes about things, but like where I grew up, it was just like, you know, there were, they're like, there were gangs and sometimes they got to fights and shit. And it's just like, Oh yeah, they're, you know, they're starting crap again. And then, you know, and then the way they talk about this sort of thing, like it was just, this was just a thing that was like baked into the background of like where where I lived, and then you like you know you turn on fucking CNN and it's on the national news about like oh my god what were we gonna do about Chicago and it's just like Jesus Christ y'all like it's not like I don't know it's just 
Uh, yeah, that resonates with me too, Kate, for yeah. sure. Like, I think that's a really good point. And it, it's totally, yeah. like, that is the perfect example. Because now that you say that, I totally think of, like, going to college. And people were like, it's just the Crips and the Bloods, right? I heard that in hip-hop. And it's like, no, there are, like, oh 20 gangs per city. And also just leave them alone. Like, yes. Like, it's, you know what? Yes, yeah, you're right. I'm glad you brought business. that up because it's like a perfect example. <laughs> they're just like they're literally just like rival factions, and there are good there are good aspects of them, there are bad aspects of them, and they just they're just kind of there. And if you're, you know, one of the people on on one of these like backwater ass Outerrim worlds, uh, much like in real canon, you're just you don't give a fuck because you're just trying to get by. And yeah, that's real. There's almost an element to and don't don't boo me off the podcast because I'm shocked that I'm saying this myself. Oh god. It almost reminds me of kind boo. of in <laughs> in the Song of Ice and Fire series. Boo! Because there's I wish not everyone the, could see how excited I was when this got mentioned. <laughs> there's not this in-universe hero worship of knights and lords in those books and that's one thing that really does set them apart from a lot of other kind of high fantasy of that same genre um and particularly european based where like everybody's like oh my oh sir knight have you come to rescue us poor nameless peasants from the dragon whereas like in song of ice and fire like anytime you're in like a tavern and a knight walks in everybody fucking rolls their eyes because they don't want to fucking deal with it because they know that they're fucking personalities and they're <laughs> fucking high on themselves and like you know they have a glorified job and, and i think I there's like still that the jedi are here there's still that connection to what we see in this universe in in oh my god maybe we need a song of ice fire and uh star wars crossover book wars episode one day but um <laughs> not that i want to give george R. in any more attention but anyways <laughs> there's also that sense of like buying your way into that role mm-hmm. or being just born into a family of that like it is said so many times where there are certain characters who have who people are like it's even a regional difference in a song of ice and fire where like in the north most people aren't knighted because culturally people are like what the fuck does it matter if you have this title just if you're gonna be someone with those values live those fucking values it's like and people in the north like make fun of people for that and so it's a whole thing mm-hmm. um and they say many times in those books about this idea of like uh anyone born into the right family can become a knight or anyone who like has you know who can just ask the right person can just be knighted um and so i think there's that connection too of like what we said earlier about that so i'm glad we all know i'm always here for a song of ice and fire drop because we're never going to get any new uh reading materials so nope glad you correct nope <laughs> that guy that guy you'll get it when we get the ryan johnson movies i honestly like stop. this is going to be a terrible thing and i need to stop talking about this because this is book wars pod and not song of ice and fire pod but I just want George R. R. Martin to be like, I'm not going to write them. Here's some bullets. And then to like send a bulleted list to a better author because yes. his world building is good, but he's so fucking racist. Like, I'm so sick of a lot of things he writes in there. I just want like the key details and then someone else to ghostwrite. Like, that is, someone else is absolutely going to finish that book series, but it's not going to, it's not going to be while this man is alive. He's oh, truly over his dead body while he lets somebody else. But we else... need more wild cards books, Kate. Oh, jeez Louise. <laughs> Please Sorry, help. I'm still like it's been like 15 years being wise. This man writing wild card books. I so want true. more dragons, and this is what I get. Yeah, no, cool. I I feel that. I mean, 15 years is nothing. A lot of people have said that for 30 years now. So, anyways, back to Star Wars. <laughs> Listen, this is why I'm like, as a writer, I I just like please don't ever let me write 
a book series because I will do the same thing or I will get so fucking bored in the middle of writing it and be like no and then everybody's just gonna like come come to cons to like throw rocks at me or whatever but i think um, the difference is that you will not make it your entire personality like you're not going to be like you can this true. is a literal george R. R. martin thing he said i don't know the quote so maybe it's not literal but you can put me in a cave over a volcano in new zealand if i haven't finished my book in two years that was like five years ago oh, right, right right like yeah let's, let's do it <laughs> um all right so um i just really briefly um want to talk a little bit about um just um japanese literature and oral tradition and i'm by no means an expert in this um i read a wikipedia page last night at three in the morning because i didn't want to go to sleep responsible adulthood oh my god my boss is gonna listen to this and he's gonna be like what the hell anyway um (laughs) um so so uh, basically um this novel kind of like takes from um like early japanese novels were kind of like more considered like travelogues like of like almost like the odyssey of just people like you know hopping around here and there um but the i just i love the way that the that the idea of just like folklore and storytelling is baked into this book um just the character of the traveler just being kind of like this wandering bard of a person slash weirdo whatever they do <laughs> um also just like the the character of like the traveler in and of themselves just being called like the the rest of the um crew of the poor crow the ship that they wind up traveling on um calls them fox um which is a a, a huge arc just like character archetype in japanese folklore um <clears throat> they're definitely like trickster animals but they can also just be extremely benevolent and, and like you know um give out blessings and things like that um, so I, I kind of like that duality that we get just, um, in terms of like, if you're a person who's reading this book and you are familiar with like, um, Fox characters in Japanese stories, like that duality just like kind of like makes you even more question, like, what are, what are your motives? Like, who are you actually? Um, and then just talking about archetypes more broadly. So, and this, this is a thing that's shared by all folklore and fairy tales but you know you have you have your types so we've got grumpy sword grandpa and um you know like our, our service type of like the the spunky droid and um you know this the, the traveler is like this mysterious stranger who who who, who drags the ronin into all these things um but the young I think, vengeful one yes exactly exactly um, but I think we're already starting to see some of these um, tropes also get turned on their heads the same way that we are seeing um, our ideas of Jedi and Sith um, get rearranged a little bit. So, um, yeah, just uh, the idea of like this this person, like the, just the Ronin himself doing something that it like on its face, at least, is probably honorable getting rid of all the rest of the Sith. But he's also a Sith. Like there's something more to to be said there about like he's not just like you know a darth vader type where he's just evil all the time until he isn't or something like that so yeah and i think another thing about the ronin's um morality is he's asked oh my gosh what's the pilot's name ikea yes ikea asks him you know why why did you leave the jedi you know even if it's not clear who he is at this point it's clear that he's been trained by someone and there's not a there's not a whole lot of different games in town there like why did you leave the jedi and he's and he basically says 
my lord told me to kill somebody and I didn't want to. And so like it's one of those things where like if you if that's what your rebellion is born out of, you know, what does it become matters, but also like that's the ethos that you're trying to bring to it and that's the power that you're trying to fight and it does kind of turn it on its head uh, in, at least into, you know, a very muddled area of gray of who is right. If not explicitly the Sith or the the freedom fighters, quote unquote. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, is it you who put down why why write this? I did. Um, yawn louder into the microphone, my guy. <laughs> I was leaning away from the microphone for that. Nobody noticed until you said it. You're leaning away from the I, microphone. We definitely for all noticed. No one noticed. No one noticed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was a secret. Oh, um, okay, wow. So one thing, and, and I think we're going to be talking a lot more about that in the coming, about this in the coming weeks. So we could just touch on it for now. But like our project here is always like, what does this story bring to the canon? What does it add to our understanding of Star Wars? And that's, it's, that's a little bit more of a complicated question in this one because it's, it is not the Star Wars universe that we know. Um, but at the same time, it is unmistakably Star Wars, both in the you know existence of the jedi and the sith and like some of the archetypes that we're seeing like these are stories that we recognize because they were archetypes that we recognized in star wars back in the 70s and so what what can we take away from the overall star wars universe from this universe like what does this tell the existence of this story tell us about star wars and what it is and where it can go pretty sure we talked about that already now <laughs> We did a little bit. I think there's going to be more to talk about as we go. Yeah, but like in all seriousness, like I think like put, putting 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 the Japanese influence actually back in the Star Wars. This is like it's just it's it's a lovely thing to see. Um, I said as a Chinese person, and my dad is somewhere with his ears just like absolutely ringing and wanting to fight something, and he doesn't know why. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I like um, I just I I. I was really intrigued when this book was first announced because, um, again, it's not it's not canon and it's kind of like it's it's spinning off of canon and offering us, uh, um, you know, a view into some some somewhere else in the Star Wars multiverse or whatever you want to call it. Um, but just the possibilities, I think, that this opens up just, you know, in our world in terms of just like what else can we do with it? Like, how else can we remix it? Like, how much more freedom does this give authors? Like, I don't, I I don't. I, I don't remember how well this book did, but it's just like keep, please keep doing all these like riffs. Like I just am eating it up. <laughs> I think it's great. Do you remember how well this book did when it when it debuted, Chris? Uh, I have no idea. Did you even prepare for today? No. <laughs> Putting out the same quality product that our fans have come to know and expect. Oh my god! All three fans. Uh huh. We used to have five. I won't comment on why it's only three. We used to have five, and then Sorry. Chris's mom stopped listening. Right. It's true. She doesn't um, listen anymore. Now I can talk all the shit I want and not have to answer for it. Oh, my God. I didn't know your mom ever listened to the pod. Oh, it was a whole ass thing. Um, the other thing I think that this does add, even though it's technically not canon, which, I don't know, feels racist to me. Half kidding. I always think of that gif of the little kid saying, that's racist. Same. Um, yeah, every time. But uh, it's just the world building. Like, by now, if you know me, you know, or if you've ever heard me talk, because all I talk about is this, I love world building. Love world building. 
And even just this little bit of world building that we've gotten, I think this book has excellent description of visuals and of setting. Um, and I think, every, and it's done in different ways in different chapters, which I think is a talent. I think a lot of authors can really bore you when talking about setting, but in this, like, you're really in it. Um, the parts when they get to, is it Dekian? 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 I don't know how to say it. Um, I think it's something like that. Yeah. Uh, when they get to the caves and they're looking at, like, they're hearing all these tourist things and holograms of tourism. One reminded me a lot of, like, an old Doctor Who episode from, like, 15 years ago now. Um, but to just, I love anything like that, that digs us into this reminder that this isn't just a story about Jedi and Sith or about, um, you know, lightsabers, which I guess is Jedi and Sith and about like cool fighting and the force, but instead that it's like, these are massive, infinite, well, I was going to say universes, but it's one universe. Um, but these, you know, incredibly expansive worlds where millions of people are living and going about their life and I just always love that reminder that we're like a fly on the wall in all of this and that we're not you know these stories don't just exist for our purposes the idea that there's other things happening and I think I talked about this when we read the most recent Thrawn book that we read um, I just love this idea of like where you know that reminder over and over again that we're getting this tiny glimpse into this much larger world and so I just think the world building is done very well in this. We've already talked about, obviously, the importance of um, actually having stories written by Japanese people and not just by George Lucas, who said, oh, I used to watch these movies and they were cool. Um, but yeah, just the world building is, is so well done. Um, and I'm really, it honestly, I won't lie, the first like two or three chapters, maybe because I had seen the Visions episode, I thought eh, it was a little hard to get into. But as it went on, the more world building we did, the more character reveals and depth we did or received. Um, I just think that the world building adds a lot to the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree that like this is this is a this is a setting that really feels lived in. Like 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 you were saying, um, you know, it, feel, it, it feels like there there are absolutely people going about their daily lives in other places, which lately in live action Star Wars, I really have not been getting because it's just like. Sand, 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 sand. <laughs> like, Kate, I'm sorry. Do you hate brand sand? New planet called Tatooine. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that and it's just like it's just like wow. Let me let me come up with another planet that is just w but one single biome because that makes sense in nature. No, it doesn't. <laughs> like I just like I'm okay with a sand planet when you have two suns. I'm not yeah. okay with multiple desert planets. Also, my yeah. assumption is that even Tatooine is not 100% desert. I'm just telling myself it's like we're on one continent or something. I, you know, I, I want, I want to believe that, but I just fucking don't. Like, I, honest to God, the only other planet that I can think of off the top of my head, um, in Star Wars that has more than one fucking biome is Ryloth, and that's it, man. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. I just, I'm just begging you to. Ryloth and Naboo and no one else. Yeah, maybe Alderaan. That's all, though. Anyway, varieties of spice of life, etc. <laughs> um, and with that, that's all I got. I feel like varieties of spice of life is just going to be the takeaway for the pod today. Thank I you all for listening. I, I feel like, like when people say that, we need to hear like the Dune, the spice, the Dune, Dune, the spice moment. <laughs> Sorry, something's wrong with me. I'm gonna mute. <laughs> Um, 
Remember, everybody, to stay healthy. Get your COVID vaccines and flu shots if you have not yet. It is not too late. Our next episode, we're going to be continuing on with Ronin, reading chapters 13 through 28. If you have the means, first and foremost, please donate to Black and Pink National, as we talked about at the top of the episode. And then if you want to, you can also support us by t- donating to the Tosh Station Radio Patreon, as it helps in- our s- helps us cover our hosting and production costs and... All new right now, there is a new Patreon tier for $2 a month where Kate and I are going to start streaming our video game trash on Twitch. It's so cursed, y'all. Please be very cursed. Please stop by to witness uh, Chris and I playing the co op of the original Halo where Chris walks too slow in a narrow hallway and I just punch him in the back of the head. It's great. It's quality content, to be sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so. If you want to support us, uh, Tosh Station Radio Patreon is a great way to do it. Also, giving us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookwarspod. These are all great ways to keep us happy and continue our posting of Argos, Jasper, Orca, and Tony. So, really, that is what you want to do as Orca just decided he no longer cares. He's out. (laughs) He's just, he's done. He's done with this episode. He's left the room. Uh, our theme song is Whiz Bang by Poddington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Terra Design. And our audio and production are done, as always, by our very own Kristen McDonald. For uh, Rana, Kate, Miranda, who was unable to join us, Kristen, I'm Chris. Thank you so much for listening to the Book Wars pod. And we will talk to you, allegedly, hopefully, next week. Should I sing the theme song? Will that help? No, it's, it's not playing. Please I don't do know why. Again. Sorry, I didn't want to say anything in case you guys could hear it and I just no, couldn't. No, 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 no. Uh, there we go. What the fuck? Okay, let me do that again.